Hi everyone and welcome to Teeth and Tales. I'm your host Dr. Shadi Manucheri and today's episode is all about facial aesthetics. I'm so excited to welcome Dr. Tara Francis on the show to talk about this topic. You might know her better as Enhanced by Tara and she is so talented in enhancing the natural beauty of her clients and this is the motto behind her brand. In the first part of this episode, we talk about Tara's journey to facial aesthetics and how she started the transition pretty much straight away after graduating as a dentist. We talk about how social media has helped her build her brand and also build her business. In the second part of this episode, we talk about different facial aesthetics procedures, such as having dermal fillers placed, and we talk about the risks associated with this, particularly if not done correctly. So I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and let's get into it. Hi Tara, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm good, thank you for having me. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very excited about this episode because this is one of my favorite topics to talk about and always learn more about. So could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you got here, please? Um, So I am a dentist. I qualified from University in London and that was in 2014. I always knew I wanted to do facial aesthetics and since then it's kind of just taken over my life a little Um, and dentistry took a little bit more of a backseat for me and now we're doing um, facial aesthetics full-time with a little bit of dentistry. Lovely, so do you do any dentistry at all now? So yeah, we do a few hours a week um, but not masses and it's normally just general dentistry I love it. I love general dentistry more than I do focusing on one thing. I think where we're doing facial aesthetics and I'm quite focused on that, it's quite mm-hmm. nice to just have that a bit of broadness um, mm-hmm. when I'm doing the dentistry. And it's what I've done pretty much since I graduated. So it's nice to just keep that going and have some familiarity in that sense. Mm-hmm. And you say you've always wanted to do facial aesthetics. At what point did yeah. you realise um that this is the area that you're interested in you want to focus on second year of uni so while studying dentistry I had some tutoring done by a um a dentist also he was one of the tutors at uni and he specialized in head and neck anatomy so me and a friend of mine had extra tutoring because I wasn't that great at it at the beginning and he used to do facial aesthetics so toxin and dermal filler treatments and once or twice we watched him do a few treatments because he related it to the anatomy he was teaching us and it kind of just clicked and I realized there was so much to it at the time I was really unaware of the amazing things you could do with toxin and with filler and um, I just knew I wanted to do it and couldn't wait to graduate and then once I did graduate did the course like two months later amazing and you've been focusing on that since so when did you when did you start um sort of start on social media because obviously you're you're I would say Instagram famous so when did that start for you (laughs) um 
so I think I'm one of the not one of the first but one of the people who started kind of closer to the beginning when it was more um it was sorry it was less available on Instagram and I you know what I'm gonna have to go back but probably about four years ago I would say uh I was really nervous about doing it though I didn't have a logo I didn't have many before and afters I was very conscious of what people would think you know we're as medical professionals in particular we tend to be quite OCD and we want things done in a particular way dentists especially and um I was so worried about what people were going to think that I put it off for for a little while and and then I just thought no let me just do it and I did it and since then it's been great I remember the first time someone messaged me I got so excited so we've come a long way since then um but yeah about four years ago Mm-hmm. And would you say Instagram has helped your business? Because we see a lot of uh, dentists and facial aesthetics clinicians on, on Instagram. And I'm always, you know, uncertain. I think, does it help in terms of, obviously it helps build a brand and build an image, but in terms of getting actual clients and actual return, does it actually work? For me, absolutely. It's the only form of advertising, if you want to call it advertising or marketing, that I do. Um, I was getting patients in before I had a website. I was getting patients in um, through referrals, but they managed to trust my work because they could see constant before and afters being put up. They could see constant testimonials being put up. They could see comments under the um, you know, permanent feeds. They could um, have direct contests so that we could you know, discuss things because it's a big decision doing something to your face. And I don't want any of my patients to take it lightly. And if they feel they want to just have a quick, you know, relatively informal discussion about, you know, their side profile before they come in and have a proper consultation, it's nice that they can do that so readily. Um, And they also get to know me. It's a really great platform for me to kind of express myself and how I like to kind of treat patients and they might feel more comfortable coming to me that way because they feel they know me a little bit. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. Um, I think it's good to have that direct contact and maybe, and also to, you know, make us look human because yes, we're professionals, but at the end of the day, you want to get to know because, you know, with facial aesthetics and like you say, it's, it's very personal thing and it's a big decision to have someone change the way you look your face. You know, it's, it's going to be obvious if you don't like it, it's going to be quite obvious. Um, So you need to trust that person and you need to know them. Would you say there's been any sort of negative aspects of being on social media for you? Yes. So I'd say the first aspect of it is not being able to turn off. So talking from a kind of business um, person point of view, where it's my business, it's my reputation and my patients that come to me and trust me it's very difficult for me to allow myself to turn off. So to be able to turn off at like 8 p.m. or whatever time I decide to is difficult in that sense. Another thing is you are open to uh, criticism. You have to be very careful about advertising, about, you know, sticking within guidelines. Um, It's difficult to have a personal page 
alongside a business page because maybe one day you just want to be out for dinner and post that you're out for dinner with your friends but you've got you know 20 messages waiting there so it's it's very hard to find the balance for me um but I've been very lucky in the sense that my patients and the people that follow me are really good I mean I've, I've not come across too much difficulty thank goodness and I think again that just comes down to me being as honest as I can on Instagram and just expressing that sometimes I find the juggle quite difficult and where those that have been following me for a while know that now um they just understand so if I take a day or two to reply to them as long as it's not an emergency of course they're really okay Mm-hmm. And how would you say the stress of the job has changed for you since switching from dentistry to facial aesthetics? So I think with dentistry, although there are so many different treatment options you could provide for one case and one dentist might, you know, create a care plan that's completely different to yours, they're still very much black and white. If someone's got decay, you know, you need to get rid of the decay and fill it um, to prevent that from happening again. And, you know, provide them with all the prevention advice, etc. Whereas with facial aesthetics, it's such a personal experience in a way that not everyone has the same ideals of what is perfect in their eyes or what is beautiful or what is better looking. And that comes with a lot of responsibility and stress. And people are choosing to have this treatment and choosing you to do this treatment for them in dentistry majority of the time it's symptomatic or it's prevention it's not so much a choice unless it's aesthetic treatment um dental wise so there's a lot of stress in that because i care a lot about you know making sure people are happy and i care a lot about the work and um treatment that i provide and the results that we can achieve and also just the stress of running something that is my own and with again with dentistry this is different to someone who owns their practice. I've never owned a dental practice. Um, so it would be similar, I suppose. You've got so much to think about in on like microscopic levels. Um, so there's always that stress of dealing with the people that you kind of employ or work with and making sure that everything is kind of level. And there's just a whole bunch of things you have to think about that you never thought you would have to from even printing consent forms like as simple as that when you're in when I'm in a dental practice I know that I just ask reception can I have the consent forms and it's there I know there's always going to be ink in the printer I know there's always going to be everything I need because someone else is in charge of that whereas when you've got your own practice yes you can delegate but you still need to make sure that those people you have put in charge of that are doing their job so it's a lot of management What is facial aesthetics? Good question. So facial aesthetics to me, I'm going to say what it means to me, is um, enhancing facial features to provide what the patient deems as more aesthetic for them and what they're more kind of comfortable and confident in. And um, what would you say is one of the most common procedures that you do or one of the most common products that you use? 
most common procedures at the moment uh, would be lip enhancements and noses are becoming really popular with me at the moment also. And the most, the products that I tend to use are between TSL and Stillage. So I use the two. Mm -hmm. So those are dermal fillers. Could you just tell us a yes. little bit about how they actually work? Dermal fillers are a gel-like consistency that we are injecting into the areas we want to treat. The main constituent is hyaluronic acid, which we have naturally in our bodies, but of course in, in the dermal filler form, it's man-made. Um, and the dermal filler's purpose is to either restore volume that we've lost, create structure that we want to kind of enhance. Um, and sometimes it is just a case of a really light dermal filler where we want to hydrate and rejuvenate and redensify the skin tissue. Mm -hmm. And um, what would you say are the risks of using dermal filler if, if not done correctly and if, if done in untrained hands? Really good question and really important also. So there are so, so many kind of smaller risks which come with any type of you know, wound to the skin, which we are essentially creating, although controlled. Um, so those risks would include things like bruising, swelling, um, bleeding, uh, infection. Those would be the most common risks and the most, unless infection gets worse, the most kind of minor risks. Then we move on to things like patient satisfaction. So one risk is that you're not happy with the treatment, um, which to me is, is almost a huge risk. So choosing your practitioner wisely is, is important. And then we have other risks, which um, are things like lumps and bumps happening, potential uh, interactions where you get an allergy, um, delayed allergies, which can happen a few months down the line and can create things like granulomas. Um, and then we've got the, the most severe, which would be something called skin necrosis or um, potentially loss of vision. Now that happens when the dermal filler gets into an artery or a vein and it blocks that supply to the skin. When that happens, obviously, because we've stopped that blood supply to the skin, the skin starts to die off and um, it can be really damaging long term. And the same principle for the loss of supply to the eye. So again, being in trained hands is extremely important because medics, people within the medical profession should be able to recognize this, should be aware of all of the anatomy within the face, where the blood vessels are, where the safe points to inject are, and they can also prescribe and have to hand the reversal agent where we can then, as soon as we see the sign, signs of it on the skin, kind of flood the area and make sure we dissolve as much of it as we can and essentially stop that from happening. Yeah, so it's very important for, for the patient to seek treatment from a trained professional because you know as medical professionals we spent years and years studying anatomy and learning how to inject and and also the complications and knowing how to deal with them agreed i would also say when we go to medical professionals for treatment we've not only been trained in the you know the science on an anatomy but we've also been trained in how to look after a patient holistically it's mental as well as physical so we look at the patient and we we think you know are we looking at something that could potentially be, you know, body dysmorphic? Um, we can help kind of 
with the healthy mindset towards the treatment. We're not just there to, you know, inject and take your money. That's not our purpose, you know? And I think that's another really important factor that not everyone talks about when we talk about the difference between medics and non-medics. And we talked briefly about body dysmorphia. Would there be a, a situation where you wouldn't treat a patient where you see some signs that may suggest something like body dysmorphia or or another um, sort of existing issue that you would say actually I'm gonna refuse to treat you? Yes. So I'm not afraid to say no at all. And most of the time, if I feel that there could be underlying, you know, body delusion issues or um, areas where where patients lack confidence in a in a slightly unhealthy way or un, unjust way, I do try to sit there and I use that whole time that we were meant to kind of be injecting, I suppose. I use that to just talk to them and, and discuss why they're feeling this way. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychotherapist. I'm nothing in that way. But just being a lending ear and coming from someone that they've come to to seek help, you can give them help but in a different way that actually is going to benefit them much more than continuing the cycle and almost promoting the cycle because they'll never be happy. Not never, but it's very unlikely that they will ever be fully happy. And um, it can be as simple as showing them pictures of people that we've treated to give them a nose that they already have, for example, or something like that. So because everyone's perception of what is beautiful is can be different so yes I say no I also say no to those that have had lots of treatment before that don't need treatment or um, for example lips is very common overly filled lips and then they want more there's not much I can do for them I'm just going to make them worse why would I want to inject them and also Mm -hmm. I also see everyone as a walking advertisement for me if someone's walking around with lips that look terrible and they've seen me last even though I know they didn't look that great before I treated them, the last person that touched them is me. So I'm not, it's, it's just, I want to sleep well at night knowing that I've not done anything (laughs) terrible to anyone and that I've managed to help someone if I can, um, towards a healthier mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's important to know when to say no, because with facial aesthetics, it's a tricky one. Like you were saying with dentistry, it's quite clear cut, you know, aside from cosmetic dentistry and aesthetics, when there's disease, we treat the disease and then the patient is stable. There's no sort of question of what treatment to do. Whereas when it comes to facial aesthetics, it's so subjective that your definition of beauty might be different to, to the patient. So it's quite important to establish that before you treat them, because after you've treated them, it's almost too late because then you're like, well, actually this, this was fine before we started, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, And that's why consultation is so important. Um, to really kind of establish what the patient wants, what the patient needs, um, and their expectations and what you can realistically provide for them in terms of results. Mm. And sticking with dermal fillers, I know a, a lot of people will probably know that you can enhance lips with it, but you can actually do quite a lot of interesting stuff. So what else could you do with dermal fillers to sort of enhance the, um, enhance the face and the facial shape? Yes, so dermal fillers are amazing. And there's, again, knowing the science and kind of 
the science behind the material and which materials you're using, how they're put together, we can use different dermal fillers for different parts of the face and different indications. So things like changing um, the shape of the nose so that it looks a little bit less. So some people might have what we call a dorsal hump, which is just a hump in the nose from the side. We can help mask that and camouflage that by adding dermal filler to create a more straight nose. We can replace volume that's been lost over time. So as we age, we lose fats, we lose collagen, our elasticity in our skin um, decreases. And that's when the signs of aging start to show and we can help uh, restore kind of the fat that's been lost with the dermal filler. Again, placed in the right place, using the right filler for that part of the face and indication. Um, we can use it to define facial features a little bit more, like, um, for example, chins, jawlines, cheekbones. Um, people who have, so with dentistry, this is one of the reasons I love the kind of combination of the two. Some people have a, what's considered a discrepancy um, with their jaws. So some jaws are more further set back, like, for example, their lower jaw can be further set back. They don't have to go through surgery to help mask that we can use dermal fillers to help with that so it's amazing that there's such a variety that we can do and use them for um, without people having to go as extreme as surgery now mm -hmm. and i think it's quite clever when i first learned about facial aesthetics i think it's quite clever of when we decide where to place them to enhance the face because for example uh, an aging face is uh, yeah. you know turns into a reverse triangle and people yes. often come complaining of you know loose skin especially around their chin mm -hmm. uh, and they often say could you do something with this so what would you do for, for a patient who's uh, complaining of like sagging skin around their chin Yes, yeah, so sagging skin around the chin commonly known as um jowls um and you'll you'll get people kind of coming to you and literally using their full force hands to like <laughs> lift their skin up and be like, I just want this. Um, and it, we have to manage that expectation because dermal filler can only go so far. Um, but we would assess the face. We would assess a history of um, even things like social factors, lifestyle factors. Do they smoke? Do they drink? Do they run? Do they exercise? Um, all have such kind of roles in how our face changes over time and our skin quality. So once we've done a full consultation and we've really kind of got down to the nitty gritty of what they actually want and what is achievable, we can work on restoring some of the kind of structure that's again been depleted over time and getting a little bit more of a scaffold. So I like to use the word scaffold a lot because when we lose that fat, when we lose that bone again that resorbs over time, our scaffold for our skin starts to decrease and therefore it does become more lax. So I talk about rebuilding the scaffold and getting a really good base. And I do explain that we can't expect you to look like you did when you were kind of 18. We just want to help make you look better, more youthful, more refreshed. And if you are looking for something extreme, you may need to go down the surgical option. Uh, and you may also need to look at energy-based devices like radio frequency, um, et cetera. And another thing that's so important to know is that our, we are constantly aging. One treatment or even a course of treatments to gain the desired result is not going to be the end stop and end point. 
this is something that if you want to maintain the results have to go through a maintenance program you have to look after yourself you have to stay hydrated there's so much to it it's not as simple as i'm just going to inject you over one or two sessions and you're going to look like this forever and you're going to look great it's not that and again that explanation and um, consultation process to me is one of the most important things and essentially and ultimately leads to patient satisfaction if they feel they knew what you were talking about from the get-go and you explained everything and they're not there expecting this kind of 18 year old face 22 year old face you have gained their trust and they will trust everything you then decide to tell them in their best interest in the future yeah i completely agree i think when it comes to my treatment whether it's with dentistry or facial aesthetics i always like to manage expectations before we do any sort of treatment i think it's important for patients to know exactly what is realistic what they can expect uh, Mm -hmm. risks and all of this so i always lower the expectations and you can only go higher you know if you've if you've prepared them for the worst then they can definitely they're there they're realistic rather than promise them this you know that you're going to look exactly like you did when you were 18 with this one course of treatment that's not realistic and i don't think you should anybody should be saying that to their patients absolutely Um, so speaking of maintenance how long do these results last they're semi-permanent but how long would you say dermal filler treatment would last the golden question so it's so difficult to answer that with a solid answer um because everyone is different so we take into uh, take into consideration a few things one would be patient factors so that would include things like their metabolic rate their lifestyle um so again if you're exercising for example you're more likely to break down the filler a little bit quicker than someone that doesn't do they go for regular facial massages if they're going for regular facial massages again do they have laser treatment all of these factors come into play with the patient the second thing is the area on the face so areas that we're moving more are going to get more of a blood supply and therefore tends to go um, to break down a little bit quicker It's also in combination with the choice of filler because in areas we move more, we want the filler to be a little bit more soft, a little bit more um, fluid and cohesive with with those facial features. So we're not going to put something really stiff in there. Therefore, it's going to be broken down a bit better. Um, And if we're putting dermal filler somewhere, for example, in structural features like the nose, the cheeks, um, the cheekbones, the chin, the jawline, we tend to find they last a little bit longer because number one, they are um, a little bit thicker in consistency and the way that they're kind of chemically put together is, is more dense. And also because the blood supply to these areas are not, is not as kind of forthcoming as, as things like the lips. So normally when I'm talking to patients, it will depend on the area we're treating. I like again to minimize the expectation. So There'll be some practitioners out there who will say, oh, it lasts 12 months, which in my opinion is wrong to say because that's not the physical results that, that they're asking about. They're, they're asking about how long am I going to see this visual difference that you've created for me? So again, managing that expectation with lips, the first time they get it done, it doesn't normally last as long. And I normally say anywhere between two and six months. So I give them a very broad amount of time to deal with. But what I do say is if you are consistent and if you want to maintain these results, then you can come back. And the second time you get the treatment done, you will find that it lasts a bit longer. Um, 
and that's always reassuring and and it's proven I've seen patients from kind of the first time I've ever treated them up until again six years later some of them I'm not even seeing kind of a year a year and a half now and we're doing the tiniest amount just to maintain so yeah but lips between two and six months structural features I normally say anywhere between four and nine the first time you get it done what do you think what do you what do you see with your patients I normally tell them that it, it's like the food that you eat. So depending on yes. your metabolism, your activity levels, everyone's going to process it differently. So again, with stiffer products, the ones exactly like you said, the ones that we want to sort of build that scaffold, they're going to last yeah. a little bit longer. Um, but it is important for them to come regularly, if they're even if they're not sure, just for us to assess, because sometimes you can, mm-hmm. uh, you know, top up with the tiniest amount and you don't always have to give the same amount. That's important yes. to know. You know, so but if if they're unsure, I always tell them to come in, um, just just for us to assess and see what needs to be done. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that's what I do too. Thank you so much for joining me, Tara. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and hopefully found it useful. I would love to know what you thought of this episode, so feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Dr. Shadi Manucherry. There will be a new episode every week, so please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode. And I can't wait to speak to you soon.